Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On, it's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts on this Tuesday Takes on Takes edition of the show. I have compiled the takes this week, and I think you guys brought some of the best material we've seen yet. And what is this, Kyle, like 40, 50 episodes of Takes on Takes so far? Uh, This is good stuff. I don't know about 50, but we're like... I think we're knocking on the door of 40 right now. Okay. I think this is 39.0 takes on takes. We haven't had a half episode yet, though. So that's like a true, (laughs) legit, like 39. Is that the goal to do a half episode of takes on takes? I don't know. I mean, it's uh, it's just kind of started. It's like, oh, we're doing this thing called takes on takes. Seems to be a good, like, weekly episode. So I'm just going to start numbering them like 1.0, 2.0, like we do with our mock drafts, right? Yeah. And like there's never been the need to do like an emergency takes on takes. So <laughs> Okay. There's no no halves involved, I guess. So we're just doing point oh for the heck of it. Yes. I like for, it. For, the, for the, the formality of the whole thing, really. It's the pageantry more than I like anything it else. I like it though, Kyle. Um so shall we? Yes, mm. we shall. You're up first. Yeah, this, this one comes from Trevor Joseph. He says, with Gronk out, the Patriots use their bevy of comp picks to trade up to the top 15 of the draft and get their archetypal tight end and future of the franchise. TJ Hawkinson, hashtag new vocabulary for Joe, hashtag takes on takes. New vocabulary for Joe is going to be a regular staple of the show now. I just hope you're aware of this. I learned uh, a great word last week. I forgot what it was already, but. Uh, perseverate? No, that's your that's one of your classic words. I like how you just found a way to fit it in there. No reason. Yeah, of course. It's it's a weekly quote I gotta no, fill it was, here. It was something from uh it was something from Game of Thrones or something about like uh taking oh, over the land. The, uh, usurper. Yeah. Yep, the there usurper. it was. It's a great word. Yeah. All right. This kind of feels like it flies in the face of how the Patriots operate, to be honest with you, because this would be a big jump to go from thirty two to fifteen. Now, it would require their bevy of comp picks to do so, and I wouldn't put it past them to do anything because as soon as you feel like you have the Patriots, they're just unpredictable enough that they'll still surprise you with some of the splash moves that they make. But by and large, I feel like this kind of goes against the grain on their general philosophy. So I'm going to pass on this take. I think they'll look to see who's there. You know, They might get Noah Fant. At 32, Irv Smith might be there for the taking. They may trade up for Irv Smith if he falls into the early second round. So uh, I think they have some flexibility at tight end. I don't think they have to go out and make a super aggressive charge to go get TJ Hawkinson just because he's the closest correlation to Gronkowski in the draft. 
I agree. Uh, can, can we raise our glasses and pour one out for Gronk? Uh, yeah, I guess. I, I mean, it's it's been uh, hate quite- to see you go, but love to watch you leave, brother. Yeah, yeah. We Adios. Bye, bye. Don't have to deal with you anymore. Bye. Joe, do you know Gronkowski and his career? Nine nine years in the pros. I was looking this up. He is when he is on the field. The Patriots are twelve and three against the Jets. Twelve and three against the Bills. I'm sorry, thirteen and two against the Bills and ten and three against the Dolphins. The Bills beat the Dol- the Patriots three times or twice with with Gronk on the field in the last nine years. Wow, surprising! Real it's pain in the ass that Gronk. Yeah. You don't no. like watching people drop elbows on the back of unsuspecting no, defenders. I don't. And I also don't like watching. I also don't like watching uh, Rex Ryan use Nickel Roby Coleman to match up with him in in man coverage. So there's oh. that too. Brother, you want to talk about trying to match guys in coverage <laughs> on Gronk? You've seen every Dolphins linebacker the last decade. Oh. <laughs> None of them can run with Gronk. Um, JT has a take. Drew Locke pulls a Trubisky-type upset and is the first quarterback selected in this year's NFL draft. Hashtag takes on take. At the Joe Marino. At grinding the tape. So Trubisky was QB1 the year Watson and Mahomes went, huh? Yeah. <laughs> you know, reading that take... That's the first time that that really hit me. Um, so here's the thing about Locke being, well, I think we all expect Kyler Murray to be the first quarterback drafted. Um, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't think, I don't think Locke's going to be QB one this year. I think it's going to be Murray, whether that's one to Arizona, four to the Cardinals, uh, or the, you know, if the Raiders move up. Um, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but I think he's going to be QB one. So, uh, Drew Locke, I think, you know, you start talking about him with Denver, uh, maybe Cincinnati, maybe Miami, maybe the Redskins, but um, I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised if he was the first quarterback off the board. I think he's more likely to be the third quarterback off the board, even though he might be the second best. Ha- Haskins probably going to go in front of him as well. So um, I-, I will say that I don't agree, but um, it's the NFL draft, man. Nothing shocks me. This one comes from Chaz Turnbow, Kyle. Mm, he, uh, I like this one. Do you? Do you? Yeah. Here it comes. It's five words. March Madness is big trash. Chaz, this is big facts, brother. March Madness sucks, okay? I do not have the time in my day to sit around and fill out a bracket with a bunch of teams I'm going to pretend to know who they are because they're – top 10 highlight was on sports center once in the month of January and try and sit here and labor over a bracket, trying to pick the best teams just to sit here and watch every single team that I pick to advance, take a big old dump on my bracket within the first two days of the competition. Okay. Kyle, not a fan. Kyle, have you, have you been informed or are you aware that I have correctly filled out 15 of the 16 sweet 16 teams? College basketball expert right here. Joseph, I have bad news for you, but like from what I understand, there's a lot of folks like that. Like, no, I think I saw Jeff Schwartz has 15 to 16. No. Uh, JC Cornell has 15 right. out of 16. We're part of the 95 oh. percentile, Kyle. It's an elite okay. territory. Well, congratulations. I still haven't watched one game. Uh, haven't watched the tournament since Kemba was at UConn. So, um, you know, 
but I am, I'm going to, well, here's I, the deal. Yeah. I, I stopped doing brackets the year I won a bracket. I said, that's it. I'm done. It was the second year the Gators won the national championship in their back to back with Joachim Noah. That has been a minute, man. That's been a minute yeah, since you filled that's out a bracket. The last time I did a bracket. I said, that's it. I'm on, I'm on top. I won like 800 bucks with my high school buddies. We did a pool. Whoa, $800. And I said, I'm not signing up for heartbreak. That's it. I'm about to win this thing and not win a dollar. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. You win bragging rights though. Yeah. And I, and I will be, it'll be in my Twitter bio if I win for sure. Will it be a more proud moment for you than when you won the mock draft competition? No. <laughs> Is mock draft competition in your bio? No, it's not. I've, I don't know. I got to get it in there. Figure that out. Yeah. Excuse my French, Joe, but you fucked up. Kyle. What? I'll get, I get, get, get back on the rails now. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Debonair. Sorry. I, get, I talk March Madness and I just, I see red because it's a bunch of people that you don't care about college basketball. What? And then it comes around and all of a sudden everybody cares about college basketball. I like agree. The no, that's really true. And nobody gives, nobody talks about college basketball. Evidently the season starts in like November. Haven't heard a thing about it. No, no. Not a thing about it. Didn't and they see get a single t- college basketball tweet until fucking selection <laughs> Sunday. Here's the thing. This is my problem with the tournament is it's oversaturated. We've got 64 teams in there. Give me like the best 16 and have a tournament. Like I don't want to see, look, I know everybody loves the Cinderella's, but the UC Irvine's and whatever that team is that had like the Terriers, the UMNBC or whatever. I don't want any of that stuff. I just want the best teams to play. Um, and I want people to care about it for more than, you know, a, a three week span in March. What about the banana slugs? If we didn't have the top 66, I guess it's 68 now. We wouldn't get teams like the banana slugs playing. Right. It's a, it's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. They can have their all own right. tournament. All right. All right. All right. All right here we Let's go. go. Before we start losing subscribers yeah. and get one star reviews on podcasts, because people subscribe to listen to football talk, not breakfast cereal right. talk. Get back to it. Mr. Debonair, 21. Not so bold take. Don't like how it's starting already, but I'm with you. Let's go. <laughs> A.J. Brown is the best wide receiver in this year's draft class. Some guys just have the, quote, it factor. Hashtag takes on takes. Uh, That's a bold take, in my opinion, brother, because I don't think A.J. Brown's the best wide receiver prospect on his team. So um, I think A.J. Brown is a quality wide receiver prospect. I love that he uh, plays big. He's physical, has good hands. He's actually really surprisingly good after the catch. But I think he needs a lot of work in terms of route running. Can he win on the boundary? Is he just a big slot? How explosive is he? You know, I don't think I think there's enough questions there that make me say, no, dude, this isn't this isn't the the number one wide receiver prospect in this class. I'm going to definitely have him behind Metcalf, Harmon, probably Harry, probably Akeem Butler. And then I think we can start talking about A.J. Brown somewhere in that that territory just outside the top five. Now, what do you make of potentially there being questions with all the top guys and just AJ's like the safest guy? How is he the safest guy? Because I think, I think if you put him in the slot, you know what you're going to get. I mean, I, I think I've said this a lot, like the drafts about forecasting what players can become. And I think the ceiling of all four of the guys I just mentioned are much higher than what AJ Browns is. Okay. So. Are you? I mean, are you are you warmer on this than me? Yeah. Wow. I could. I. I mean, listen. AJ Brown's my wide receiver five. Okay. Okay. So it's like Metcalf, Harry, Harmon, and who the Debo? hell is four? Is it Debo? It is Debo. Like 
Kelvin's an outside possession receiver. Nikhil's got some separation concerns. DK has production questions. Like, I'm just saying there's a question with each of the guys in front of A.J. Brown for me that, like, if all of those things were to possibly go wrong with all of these prospects, these four guys that have these significant questions, like, I think A.J. Brown's a fairly safe, like, he's going to be, like, an 800-yard guy, 75-80 catch, a year type receiver in a vertical style offense that plays him in the slot. Yeah, I think I think he can achieve that. I just think the uh, there's uh, enough other players that I think have higher ceilings that makes me uh, not be all in on this. I feel you, Kyle. This comes from uh, Ismael Gomez. He says Cody Ford in the first, Yadni Kajus in the second, reaching for Rippin in the third, and Anthony Nelson and Wyatt Ray in the fourth and fifth is the best possible outcome for Miami. Not trading back. Hashtag takes on takes. Okay, a lot to digest here. Cody Ford at 13. Yanni Kajust at 48. Reaching on Brett Rippin in the third round. Nah. I like the general direction of this team, but I think Rippin stands out as a guy that I've got a fourth round on, and I'm probably way higher than the league on him. But I like Brett. I think Brett can be a very scheme-specific starter, but I don't think the demand is going to command you to take Brett Rippon in the third round in this year's draft. That said, if you're taking Yanni Kajust, Yanni's played on the left side of the line. Now you're going to have to move to the right side because you got Laramie Tunsil, and then you're taking Cody Ford and moving in the guard. So like, I like the thought process behind the offensive line, but I would rather get Cody Ford, somebody on the defensive line, and then see if – like. Maybe Michael Dieter's there or Nate Davis is a, a third or fourth round pick if you're looking for an offensive lineman that's really heavy handed. And uh, heck, shoot, even the other Wisconsin guy, Bo Benchweisel, like I'm not super high on, but if you're in the fourth round talking about him, like I can get all bored with that just fine. So I think Miami needs to get physical in the line of scrimmage. So the thought process is right, but I'm not necessarily crazy about the combination of players that Ismail's picked here. Andy, all things considered, Marcus Gilbert is the biggest loss for the Steelers offense this offseason. It's an interesting take. Yeah, it's hot. Steelers offense this offseason. Hashtag takes on takes. Very, very hot take. Well, I mean, they chose to trade him away. So there's that piece of this. I'm going to say that I don't agree here, Andy. Uh, I think you took Chukwuma Okorafor from Western Michigan fairly high last year, and it's time for him to step in and really challenge to be that replacement. Um but I think there's I think there's two losses that are bigger than Gilbert on this Steelers offense. I don't consider Le'Veon Bell a loss. I think they already lost him prior to last season, obviously. But uh, obviously, I think Antonio Brown. Like I, I think Steelers fans maybe want to play down that Antonio Brown's gone and he's elsewhere. But like, dude, <laughs> this guy's been unbelievable. I mean, at a Hall of Fame level here o- across a lot of seasons for Pittsburgh and. I, I'm not going to make light of that loss. I understand that things went sour and they kind of had to do it, but in terms of how that's going to affect that offense, that's a big, big deal. Losing arguably the best receiver, you know, not arguably a top three wide receiver in the league is a big deal. Um, and then also I think even uh, Mike Munchak, losing him as their offensive line coach, he's uh, now with Denver. Uh, I think that he's done such a terrific job with that group. Uh, really developing some of the some players to fill prominent roles and really overachieving what you would expect for their career trajectory. But 
I mean, that that front five, I mean, Pittsburgh's had a top five offensive line probably every year for the last five years at least. And, and a big reason why is because of Mike Munchak and his ability to develop guys like Ramon Foster and Alejandro Villanueva and, you know, just getting getting a lot out of that group. And, and so I think both of those guys are bigger losses to Pittsburgh this year than, than Marcus Gilbert, not taking anything away from Gilbert, who's a quality offensive lineman. I just don't know that you can say that he's a bigger deal than Munchak or Antonio Brown. Let's let me also just say like Chooks is no joke. It's an offensive lineman. Yeah, you liked him a ton. I did too. I yeah. was super high. I think I had like a top twenty grade on Chukwuma Core for, and that I know that raised a lot of eyebrows. And he went in the third round, but like he's got a lot of really solid qualities to him. And I think if he was able to retain some of what Munchak was coaching to him before he left, like he's got a really good chance to be a very solid starting pro. All right, this one comes from – oop, I'm clicking off here. This one comes oh, from Justin no. La- Latola. He says – this is an interesting one. It was one of my favorite ones that was sent in this week. He says, is the gap between Miles Sanders, the Penn State running back, and Josh Jacobs, the Alabama running back, really that big? Okay. Hold on. My producer's pulling something up for me. All right. And while the producer does that, um, I can say that – I really like both of these players, but I do have, I think this could, this might be, this is going to be two of my top three backs in this year's class. Maybe my top two right here. Well, I have an answer for you, Joe. All right, go ahead. I have Miles Sanders above Josh Jacobs. So with that in mind, Penn State Homer, you Kyle. Listen, I found out I was blocked by a Penn State player this year because I wrote an honest scouting report on him that probably gave him a higher grade than what the pros are going to give him. So don't call me a homer. I don't you're not, no, you're not. You've, you're a Penn State alumni. You gave them tens of thousands of dollars, and they're, you don't even like care if they win or lose. No, I don't. <laughs> Definitely I not your favorite don't. college football team. It's kind of wild to me. It's like, uh, like uh, what's his name for Rocky Four? If he dies, he dies. <laughs> Drago, man. Come yeah, on Ivan Drago. If he dies, I don't he know dies. what it is. Like you speak highly of your time there, but you just—I mean, we we spent a lot of time together. We talk a lot. You talk about your experience at Penn State. I hear a lot about Penn State drinking games, but your memories of, of the football team, and I've never seen you like even care if they win or lose. Or I don't even know if you own anything Penn State. I've been to your house. I don't see anything in there that's Penn State. Like this is the, you know, the most hat. sour relationship that I've ever seen with. Uh, no, not, not really. It's just it's like whatever, like a, man. You're supposed to be like fully emerged, like t- you, Trevor Sycamore with the Gators, man. Like you went to a big time school. It's true. I did. And it's one of the more impressive places I've ever seen a football game, but it's just whatever, you know, but Miles <laughs> Sanders, I do think I like Miles Sanders a lot. He does a lot of different things really well. Obviously coming out of Saquon Barkley's shadow, it's hard to get on the field and produce. So don't bang him for not being a starter before this year. He's trapped behind Saquon freaking Barkley, right? Like, Sanders, I, I really like what he brings to the table regardless of the system that you play. And I think he's more dynamic than Josh Jacobs. And those those things combined, I actually have Sanders slightly above Josh Jacobs this year. Is uh is so th- that's your RB one and two, but Sanders is one. No comment. Well, you already said that. No. Oh, you, you didn't approve well, Sanders is RB one, it sounds wait. Ooh. No comment. Ooh, these these might not be your top two backs. No comment. Oh man, you gonna leave us hanging there? 
Yeah, yeah. So problem, James, wait, hold on, hold on. My problem with Miles Sanders is he fumbled the ball five times last year. So okay, uh, he's a little loose fine. with the ball, but uh, that's about it. It's that's my concern. It's playmaker. Yeah, he it's is. Playmaker. Yep, yep. James Strong with a strong take. With both Devons gone at 20, the Steelers will take Edgar? <laughs> the best edge. I think he definitely said the best edge available. <laughs> we'll take best. It says best Edgar available. Like, what the hell is Guy got a typo, man. To say well, I just wasn't prepared for it. With both Devons gone at 20, the Steelers will take the best edge available, which will be Chase Winovich. Hashtag takes on takes. Whew. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I think the Steelers are going to go with an edge. Um, I think that. I don't think there's any chance they get either Bush or White unless they trade up. I feel like they're probably going to have a chance at getting a corner in that spot, and I feel like that might be the direction they go. I wouldn't hate an edge, uh, but Winovich. I mean, that's it, to me that's just like too much of a Steelers like pick, right? You can just kind of see that happening, and for that reason, I'm kind of like going to side against it. I just feel like corner is probably going to be the direction they go. Although I think Winovich would be a good pick at 25. I'd rather, or 20. I, I might rather have Winovich than one of the corners they could select there, to be honest with you. But um, I'll say, I'll say that they go corner over edge. I think that's a safe call. Yeah. All right. This one comes from, all right, this is interesting. There's a lot of layers to this. So stay with me here. Oh, Kent, God. Kent Lee Platt on Twitter he asked asked people to name a movie or song that they considered that is considered a classic or all time great, but you think is just okay or actually bad. Okay, so uh, Robert Barnhard said anything by the Beatles. That's right, I said it. Come at me, bro. And then this was reported to us by John Limbarakis, who said, "If you want a, a hot music take, my take my take is to uh, to fire send, to fire this tweet into the sun." Yeah. So, Kyle, are the Beatles overrated? You said you had a take on this, too, did you not? I do. You do? Yeah. All right. Do you want to say it at the same time? What? Uh, so, what What are we saying? Either like, I'll, I'll count, like, either, like, the Beatles are good or the, the Beatles are bad. All right. So, on the count of three, we're either going to say good or bad? Yeah. Like, we'll say the Beatles and then either good or bad. I'm only going to say one word, good or bad. Okay, so I will say the Beatles, and on the E and three, you say the word. All right. Okay? Yep. So our take here on Draft Dudes is the Beatles, one, two, three, suck. Bad. They suck. They suck. <laughs> yes. They're not good. I, I can't tolerate listening to this poppy, like, rainbow, like, I don't know, man. It's just it's it's a different language to me, and it's not one that I speak. I don't enjoy their music. I never enjoyed their music. I can't name you a song that I hear on the radio by them, and I turn up the dial. I just I change the tune. I change the station. I don't like the Beatles. I'm with you, overrated. They sold like a lot. They've had like a lot of like success in terms of like sales and stuff like that. But yes, super overrated. Now, <laughs> Do you remember Paul McCartney did like he like did a song with like some rap artist and a bunch of these like dumbass kids on Twitter were like, I don't know who this Paul McCartney guy is, 
but so and so is probably making him a whole lot of money for putting him on this song with him. Did you remember when that happened? No. That's hilarious, though. <laughs> I was dying. It's like, <laughs> you guys, like, really? Like, I don't like the Beatles, but at least I know, like, who the Beatles are. Right. You yeah. know, even like, I know who the freaking Beatles are. You can appreciate, like, the historic impact that John Ringo George and Paul had. And, like, some of them went on to have, like, solo careers with the music that I enjoy, you know, but at least much more than the Beatles themselves. But yeah, I, I actually, I think there's more people that feel this way than have the courage to say it. And we invite you to do it. <laughs> Tweet at us and tell us if you don't like the Beatles, if you do like the Beatles, go sit in the corner and shake your fist at us. Brad W. Joe, we, uh, we gotta wrap this up. Brad W. Justin Lane is a poor man's Justin Gilbert, all upside, no polish. Uh, I think they're really different players. Justin Bil- Gilbert was like a smooth foot, uh, really like fluid, uh, you know, man cover corner um, that just stopped working. Right. Like his tape was interesting and he was really athletic, but he stopped working once he got to the NFL. Justin Lane is a guy who's switching over from cornerback, really physical player, really good impress, good ball skills. Um, doesn't necessarily have the pattern matching upside and has, you know, some, some stuff to improve upon in zone. But I, I, I agree that there's, that he does lack polish. I'll say that about Justin Lane, but I don't think they're really similar players. And I think that, um, there's a, there's a trajectory with Justin Lane that speaks much more favorably than Gilbert in terms of him learning this new position. I know how picky Michigan state is about their, their defensive backs and what they demand out of them. And I, and I like his pedigree and where he's headed, um, so I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I, I, I agree that again, there's not a lot of polish. There's a lot of upside, but I'm, I'm more, I'm more high on lanes upside than Gilbert, obviously with hindsight, Kyle Gabriel says I could do referring to himself. Gabriel, I don't know who Gabriel, who his name is Greg Gabriel, any Gabriel. I could do a better Greg three Gabriel? cone than Jalen Ferguson. Is it Greg Gabriel? It's not. It's just at Gabe Gilbert 20, 2001. Okay. I just wanted to make sure we knew who we were talking about. No, it's not Gabe, Greg. <laughs> ben Gabe, uh, Greg gave us a compliment the other day. I've, so I've had good, said I don't, that, look, I've had good interactions with Greg. So I'm blocked by Greg, yeah. but Greg did say that the draft network did a nice job the other day. So yeah. thank you, yeah, Greg. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Gabe, I don't know anything about you, brother, but I'm going to say you can go out and do a better three-cone than Jalen Ferguson. As a matter of fact, I'm going to challenge you to do it. I want to see a video of you running a three-cone drill with somebody taking your time, and I want you to tweet it at us. I think I can do a better three-cone time than Jalen Ferguson, too. I think I can, too. I'm really hoping. Look, we've discussed some potential uh video spots for the draft show. And one of them was us doing combine drills in apparel. And I would love to see that materialize so we could see who runs better three cones than Jalen Ferguson. Because I think like every single member of our staff could, could run better than eight seconds. Uh, Drew from Jersey. If I'm the Bengals, I trade for Josh Rosen before the draft. Yeah. hundred percent. They, they, I would do it too. I'd offer them. What do they pick? Uh, is it, 13 or 12, 11, 11, 11. 11. Yeah. I'm offering 11 right now and I'm getting Josh Rosen. Uh, Kyle, this comes from, 
I don't know who it comes from. Uh, we erased it. I just it. deleted who it comes from. <laughs> but the take is, why is Quinn and Williams... Wait, no, I, I didn't erase anything. It's it, oh, There's no it was the copy attribution to this. Yeah, but this is a good one. Why is Quinn and Williams considered such a superior prospect to Josh Allen? Is it safe to assume Allen's ceiling is much higher than Quinn and Williams when it comes to generating sacks in the NFL based on his position? Jets take which player? Those are more questions than takes, but... I think he's insinuating yeah. that Josh Allen has a higher ceiling than Quinn and Williams. Listen, pressure's pressure. And Quinn gets a lot of disruption on the interior. So I think that's why, like, shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And Quinn can take those straight line pathways and cause disruption and chaos. And, you see, I mean, you see the impact that Aaron Donald has these days. So if you're a special physical talent, doesn't matter if you're lining up inside or outside as far as who's going to generate more sacks. So uh, I, I think Quinnen's more refined. Quinnen has more um, on his plate as far as technique. And I think those things will help him considering he is a special athlete. Uh, we are going to go ahead and wrap here. We had a couple takes left over, but we are going to circle back to them next week's show. JB, Joe, maybe we'll do a, a 0.5 episode for maybe. a handful of takes. To maybe. Maybe through. Scientists don't even know. You're just going to have to check back in and find out. Hit subscribe on the Draft Dudes podcast. I am Kyle Krabs at Grinding the Tape, signing off with Joe Marino at the Joe Marino. Thanks as always. We'll talk to you guys again tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.